0: this show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at NerdyLegion.com. Enjoy the show!
1: Welcome to the premiere episode of the number one Aftershock podcast, because really it's the only Aftershock podcast at the moment. I'm Martin, and joining me for this fine, fine show. I have two very fine Aftershock fans. <laughs> whoa, whoa, Jack, what are you trying to say? <laughs> don't talk bad about Ronnie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jack and Ronnie, <laughs> how are you guys doing?
2: Good, this is Black Eyed Jack from Charlotte, North Carolina. Ooh, I like
1: that. <laughs> Ronnie, you don't have anything funny to say? Shame on you. No, I,
0: I don't have anything
1: shame on you
0: so uh yeah
1: so we're we're starting an aftershock podcast because why not nobody else is doing one and uh we're all fans yep so i kind of want to start off doing uh a little recap of kind of how everyone got involved with aftershock so who wants to go first okay i'll go Uh, first then
2: (laughs) i was gonna say i think you do martin
1: yeah that's fine um How did I get in with Aftershock? I actually have uh, a couple of people to blame that I generally blame for pretty much a lot of the stuff that I discover. Uh, (laughs) Two good friends of mine, Mike Myers, who you guys may know from a billion gazillion podcasts. And uh, my good buddy Rob Krieger, who reads about as many comic books as Mike does. And I don't know how he does it. So, um, yeah, I was on Twitter one day and they brought up, I think it was American Monster number one, actually. And they both talked about it within like an hour of each other. And I was like, well, if these guys are reading it, then I should probably read it. So I went and picked up the first issue and really enjoyed it. And uh, since then, I've read pretty much everything. Not, not all the books. I still haven't read uh, Dreaming Eagles. Uh, shame on me. Yes, I know. I don't know. Have you guys read
2: that? No,
0: that's the only one that I haven't read. Yeah, that's the only one. Yeah, I,
2: I, I sort of uh, avoided that one. Because of the writer, I haven't had great experiences with. So, but I, I really?
1: might get to it. Uh, well, you might have to get to it because we probably yeah. should do uh maybe a, a, an episode on each of these because there's there's a lot of really good titles right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is. There's a
1: lot of really good titles. But anyway, so yeah, so I picked up American Monster and really enjoyed it. And so I started looking at the other stuff, and uh, the one that really stood out to me, and I think it's the same for you guys, was Black Eyed Kids. Um, so I think for for this episode, we're going to deal mostly with Black Eyed Kids. Oh, cool. uh, that's cool. Yeah, so that's my story. What about you guys?
0: Um, for me, you, because in our <laughs> chat, it was like, hey, have you guys read Aftershock? Hey, have you read American Monster? Hey, have you read Aftershock? <laughs> and it was like a slow week for me. So I was like, uh, I got you to read other ones so I can return the favor. And then I read American Monsters, number one, and loved it. And I was like, oh, let me dip more into the pot and see what else I like from Aftershock and honestly there really hasn't been anything that I really didn't like Yeah. but yeah and then after there I think I I read like two or three of the first issues of different ones like Second Sight and BEK and American Monster and then after that I just dove into everything and then like most things I do, it's obsession. So that's like, oh, I can't stop.
1: What about you, Jack?
2: Yeah, I saw it. Well, I heard about it, I think, originally on the Slack group as well. Um, but I think the thing that really stood out to me is when I started, you know, reading up on them, um, their description of themselves was that they combined the creative edge of an independent comic book publisher with the strengths and, uh, and experience of a traditional powerhouse. And here's the thing, like I've been reading Image um, for a long time and I sort of developed a love-hate relationship with them mm-hmm. because uh, like Aftershock, they're a, you know, an independent publisher. Um, and, but you know, my impression is, is that they just sort of let creative teams kind of do whatever they want and, and because of that, the team's come up with these great, you know, ideas, really interesting characters, um, but they manage their own own schedules also. And, and um, I, I sort of felt like without the publisher's hands in things, uh, sometimes with Image, like af- after the first couple of arcs, release schedules become unreliable or writer, writers and artists kind of get pulled into other things and neglect stories, and sometimes they don't even come back to it. Yeah. Um, And stories just wind up sort of unresolved. So when I started to look into looking into Aftershock, I sort of felt like, okay, maybe the potential here is to have, you know, those great creative stories, um, but without all the loose ends. At least that's what I'm hoping for. If I understand what they're they're, um, you know, trying to accomplish by mixing an independent platform with a traditional uh, experience and strength.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, we, we, we discussed a little bit before, but I think they're trying to have somewhat of a shared universe. I don't know if that's really true, though. I haven't seen that. Really? From the, yeah, from the books that are out, I don't really see that. But that's what I've heard, is that yeah, it's kind that of too. all-in-one universe.
0: Yeah, so, I've heard that, too. I'm, I'm, I, I, go ahead. I, I went back and tried to look at a couple of issues and tried to see if there was little nuggets here or there, but I really couldn't. I mean, there were some far-fetched ones, you know, that might tie it in, but so far I haven't really seen anything to connect the books together.
2: Yeah,
1: and you know, I'd be fine with it not being connected, to be honest.
0: Yeah, right.
2: So you're, Are you telling me that maybe around issue five, uh, Teddy Roosevelt might make an appearance of a <laughs> uh, black-eyed kid? But...
1: Yeah, he's actually behind the whole thing. <laughs> oh,
2: gotcha. <laughs> Now I'm even more
1: into it. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah, no, that, That's what I heard. I don't know if it's true. And you know what? To be honest, I, I would really rather it not be true. Um, I think uh, most of these stories do really well being self-contained. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason why they need to uh, connect everything. But that's just <clears throat> me. That's just me. I guess most of the stuff that I read is kind of shared universe type stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know Jack. You're mostly into image, uh, but you know we all read like Valiant, for example, and Valiant's very connected. Right. And, uh, I do read a lot of DC, and that's got a long history, of course. Uh, not so much Marvel anymore. I know, Ronnie, you're a Marvel zombie, but um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I I don't read a whole lot of Marvel anymore because it's kind of gotten tired for me. Uh, um,
0: but yeah, I wouldn't call myself a Marvel zombie. I'm like a a writer Marvel title.
2: Yeah, you just read anything that Jason Aaron does.
0: Yes, and Lemire. So. Ronnie's
2: right, the guy who, if I, if I need to know anything about any comic, I just go to him and say, hey, give me some nugget this. He always has something. Um, yeah, so
1: Aston has got some uh, really good creators, though, behind them, And I think that's one thing that's kind of drawn me to them. I know that... I, I, I read the press release when... They first announced Aftershock, I guess it'd be a year ago, a little over a year ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the main draw there was Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. Even though I don't read Harley Quinn, um, because Harley Quinn is one of my least favorite things, not because I dislike the character, but I dislike that she's kind of become like a Deadpool type character. Makes where sense. She yeah. shows up everywhere and, you know, it's just, it, it gets tired. Like, I don't need four or five books on, on one character right or seeing that character everywhere but uh, you know Amanda Conner and Jim Pionati they're both really creative they've both been around for quite a while and uh, I generally enjoy their work together so that was interesting to me uh, and then there's other names that popped up you know like Justin Jordan um, I know as as Valiant fans maybe some people don't like Justin Jordan because of the Shadow Man stuff that he did I know that wasn't the most popular but
2: did he do the vei
1: Man? yeah yeah vei i think he did the first 10 issues
2: Oh, i I I love the first half of that so
1: yeah well (laughs) see a lot of people don't some people do you're one of those people so um there's a few good issues but you know overall i like his uh his indie stuff a little bit better Mm -hmm. um i know ronnie you and i have talked a little bit about that stuff before so yeah but yeah, I mean, Brian Azzarello, he's a freaking re- legend. Yeah. And uh, let's see what else. Frank Barbier is on here. Garth Ennis. Joe Pruitt, which I guess... <laughs> Joe, what has Joe Pruitt
2: done? I mean, I'm, I know the name, but for some reason I'm not familiar with his stuff in the past.
1: Um, He's done some like X-Men stuff, uh, Cable, Wolverine, back in the day. Okay. Yeah uh let's see what else i don't know i'm trying to go through this list i guess marguerite bennett she's kind of become a fairly big name lately mm-hmm. and i'm not really sure i guess she was doing bombshells dc bombshells before aftershock right yeah, that's kind of how she got her in but uh I th- she's going to be doing josie and the pussycats too and i don't know if you guys are reading archie comics now um, but I'm I'm really enjoying the the new takes on those characters, and I think uh, with the way she writes, a Josie the Pussycat's book might not be so bad. Yeah, you know, right. Um, so that could be we interesting.
0: Got, we got Mark Wade too. Yeah, Mark oh, Wade's yeah. a legend, dude. <laughs> yeah. And Mark Paul Jenkins. And Paul Did you Jenkins.
1: say him? Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't yet. You gotta save the best for last, bro. <laughs> My bad. Paul Jenkins is the man.
2: So, what is Paul? What is uh, Wade writing for?
0: Uh, he uh, is uh, he's writing the new number one, Captain, Captain Kid. Captain yep. Kid, yep. yep, 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 yep.
1: Very cool. And then Paul's going to be doing uh, alters. Yep. Yes,
0: yeah. yeah, so and they got some big names. And he's also doing replica.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. So yeah, I mean overall it's kind of uh, star studded. I would say there's some pretty big yeah. names in here. Yeah. Um, And if not big established names, but there's some really good up and comings as well. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I think for for the most part, the lineup is really strong. Um, Of course, we all have our favorites, and we're not going to kind of go in depth into our favorites um, other than, of course, Black Eyed Kids. (laughs) 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 Because that's what we're doing mostly on this episode. But uh, there's some really good stuff. Yeah. What would you guys say are your top three?
0: And I think there's gonna be a lot oh, of I overlap. Whatever three I have in my hand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Black Eyed Kids, one, two, and three. No, that doesn't count. <laughs> you're right.
2: I think I would go with Rough Riders, Jackpot, and the Revisionist. Even though it's it's only has one issue out, I think it's gonna be really good. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm still unsure about Jackpot, but I do like Ray Fox. So, did you see yeah. him at
2: Heroes? I did not.
1: Uh, I t- I talked to him for a little bit, um, but not even about Jackpot. Oh, no. Yeah, I forgot, <laughs> I, I for- I forgot he was doing Jackpot. <laughs> so, I mean, I just talked to him about art for a little bit. Um, cause yeah. I like his style, but.
2: I-, I talked to, I spoke with Wando about Aftershock. and he seemed really, uh, I mean, his eyes kind of perked up when I mentioned it. And and he seemed really, you know, like he's looking forward to what they're going to be doing.
1: I love his stuff, dude. Yeah. yeah so good really minimalistic but uh i don't know there's something about it it's like uh, what's his name uh francesca francovilla mm-hmm. he uh he did the black Eyed kids covers he does a lot of stuff for archie um but he does afterlife right with archie Actually yeah does the interiors on that he's freaking awesome i sat in at the archie panel at heroes con and uh it's kind of hard to understand him sometimes because he's got a very thick italian accent but uh, yeah, he was really cool to chat with as well. So. Did you
2: ask him what's up with the uh, release schedule for Afterlife? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: He actually made fun of it. <laughs> he's like after he's like Afterlife not coming out once a year. Um, yeah. He's like he's like that's the schedule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was cool. It, it, dude, Heroes was awesome. I don't know like what your experience was, Jack. Um, I had a really good time. You know, I didn't like buy a lot of stuff this time around. Yeah, but uh, just hanging out. There were a lot more creators that I'm used to seeing at some other cons. So,
2: yeah, I think they gear it a little bit more towards uh, you know companies like AfterShock. I think there's a, a more of a smaller publisher presence there. Is that you know? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, I could that's... see that. I could see that, um, which
1: is kind of weird because it's a, it's a really big con, right? Usually, big cons you don't have a lot of that.
2: Yeah, well, I think it's blown up the last few years.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, guess it started so.
2: Pretty
1: yeah, I guess so. I don't even know how long they've been around, but yeah, well, it's like uh, you know SC Comic Con. They've only been around two or three years, I think. Yeah. Um. Next is gonna be awesome too. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> let's get back to aftershock. How about that? Yeah, that's what we're here to discuss.
0: Yep, sounds good.
1: And we are gonna kind of base our first episode as an introduction to one of my favorites. The Black Eyed Kids. So, Jack, do you want to give us a little intro about what this book is about?
2: Um. Yeah, man, it's about Black Eyed Kids, from what I can tell.
1: Oh, that's pretty good. Good observation.
2: <laughs> so, so I'll, I'm gonna I'll just run through the issues real quick, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, instead of trying to summarize the whole thing, which I don't think I would do it justice, but uh, real briefly, in the first issue, um. It starts with there's black eyed kids, as you'd expect, sort of walking, walking around doing bad stuff. Um, they they try to set a very sort of spooky tone right off the bat. And, and uh, one of these black eyed kids shoots and you don't know what's going on at the beginning, obviously, but one of them shoots a gas, uh, an employee at a gas station. They abduct another guy. And, uh, you know, we find out later that it's not just random, but they're doing each of these crimes for a reason. Uh, But the story center seems to center around this teenager named Michael who keeps sleepwalking and freaking out his sister and his parents or his mom and his stepdad um, because he'll go into these trances and just go into go in front of the window and keep repeating. They're coming. They're coming. Um, And I think, yeah, one time they they find him outside talking to three of the black eyed kids, except you don't know the black eyed kids yet. I don't think. Right. Um, And when he comes back inside, they ask him. You know what were you doing and he said and he acts like you know he didn't even know he doesn't know what they're talking about um there was no kids out there whatever and to make a long story short the issue ends with michael killing his sister or it seems like he kills his sister and his parents um while he's in one of these trances and then the three black eyed kids come in and say say to him you're worthy and and then he leaves with him um presumably that he's become one of them Mm -hmm. um and in a nutshell, that's issue one. You want me to stop there? Or you want to keep going? Hey, let's
1: yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the first issue. Uh, Cause first impressions were it, it was a little weird for me. Like I couldn't stop reading it, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the art. Um, what is it? Simon Kudranski is doing the art. And oh, it's I'm, great. I'm not sure. Like I haven't seen a whole lot of stuff before this, but uh, it's it's amazing. It's like the atmosphere that he sets up just really yeah. helps drive the book along right because there's a lot of pages where there's not a whole lot of dialogue mm. or you it's just all art and uh, i think that's really important and something we see a lot in these aftershock books is that you know you have really strong stories but a lot of it is very much art driven and uh especially with a, a horror book like this which i'm not Completely sold the horror yet? I think it's actually gonna end up being more of a sci-fi story. Um, but I like I like the mixing of genres because you know horror and sci-fi are two of my favorites anyway. So um, yeah, I think uh, I think it's gonna be interesting. But yeah, so. Yeah, it's
2: interesting you bring that up, though, because I've read books, um, you know, like I remember reading Rasputin, and it was kind of the same way. It was just a little bit of dialogue and a lot of art, but those books, unlike other books, I felt like even though this wasn't extremely, you know, thick on dialogue, I don't feel like the story suffered because of it. I got to the end of it, and it felt like, you know, a lot still happened.
1: Yeah, I think uh, even with the minimalist dialogue, there was a lot said. Because you got yeah. this, you got to be introduced to most of the cast that seems to be important. Um, I guess we didn't meet Jim until the second. No, it, Jim was in this issue, right? In the first issue.
2: Jim. Yeah. I don't think. Who was
1: that again? Jim is Michael's dad. Ah, right, right, right. His real dad.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah he's we the second issue. Yeah, yeah, the second issue. Okay.
1: So, But, you know, we get to see... We meet, obviously, Michael, who plays a key part in tying all these characters together. Um, you, you kind of start to see with, about the black-eyed kids. And it sets up the mystery, right? Like, why does he kill his family? Mm-hmm. Why are these kids talking to him? You know, what what's their plan? Like, there's a lot set up in this first issue. Um, oh, yeah. But it's really the second issue, I think, that kind of gives you a direction for the story. Yeah. So you want to go into the second issue a little bit? Sure.
2: I, I looked over these before we got on here, so I'm familiar with them. Um, so issue two, from, from what I could tell, was mostly about Meredith Williams, and who she is is uh, an author. Um, and we see her at a book signing, and she, I get the impression that she's not incredibly successful because there's not many people there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but some of after her book signing, some of the black kids abduct her and they take her to their leader who, you know, and he's a he, he it turns out he's a really young kid, maybe about, I guess, seven or eight years old, I would yeah, think. That sounds about. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And I don't I don't remember if he said his name or not. I, if, if he did, I, I can't remember it. Um, but he's this really well-spoken you know, clever sounding. He's a typical bad guy in that he like makes all these clever sounding psychological arguments, um, and he's very well spoken for a seven year old. Um, and he sort of reveals to Meredith that their plan is to take over the world because you know that's what bad guys in comics seem to like to do, right? That's right. Um, and they uh, they and they want to use her since she's an author to to use her writing expertise to sort of document the whole event. And so I think what's going on here at this point um, from what I can tell was that the plan is, is to convert all the kids into black eyed kids and to kill all the adults unless they're useful for some reason, like, like Meredith, if she, if she does what they say and doesn't cause problems then they're going to use her for something. Otherwise everybody's going to be gone.
1: Yeah, I was a little yeah,
2: confused was... about that, actually.
1: Because yeah. um, there's there's Jim's neighbor, Paul, the guy that says he's going to like take his mail while he's out on vacation with the kids or whatever. Right. Um, and the black-eyed kids end up... You assume killing him, but he's not dead, right? Because he shows up at Jim and Laura's house when the mm-hmm. black-eyed kids are there. Um, right. I was like, well, why is there an adult... An adult black-eyed kid Um, because he obviously didn't seem very important, right? He was just a neighbor. Uh, But why is there an adult? And that kind of took me by surprise, because we'd only seen black-eyed kids until this point. Right. But when when that little kid that you're talking about is talking to Meredith, and you see, like, those panels where he's showing, like, all the people that are, like, behind him, all the other black-eyed kids, um, Mm -hmm. it looks from there that there's also a couple of adults. Right. So... I mean, mm. there's got to be a reason for that, right? But we don't—they're not the ones recruiting new people. It's just kids recruiting new people.
2: Yeah. Well, so, he does talk about there being an extermination. He mentions to Meredith specifically that there's an extermination process process that had begun. So could it be that maybe some adults are are use are useful as black-eyed adults? Yeah, I don't think that's really been fleshed out yet. Yeah. It's
1: still kind of early to tell, too, right? Yeah, we're, we're only three issues in. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I think Meredith is is a very interesting character, though, mm-hmm. because I wonder if there's a lot more to the reason why they picked her than her just being a writer. And I I don't think it's because she's a writer because she's obviously not a very good one or a very successful hey. one, right? Um, yeah. And they didn't explain, like, what kind of book she writes. Because even when you see the book that she's selling, like, there's nothing on it, right? It's just a yeah, blank right. cover. So, yeah. I mean, it might not even be important wh- what it is that she writes. Um, but the there's a couple of flashback panels to when she was a little girl um, that has me really curious to know, like, if that's the connection to the black-eyed kids and why they picked her. Um, huh. Because I've been watching... Have you guys ever seen The Following? Yes. Okay. Um, So I've been watching The Following, and I recently finished watching The Path on Hulu. And they're both kind of like cult shows. And Mm -hmm. I got the impression that Meredith kind of grew up in a cult. And this cult is somehow maybe related to the Black Eyed Kids. Um... And I, it, it, I could be completely off, of course, because we don't know anything. And all we know about her past is those couple of panels. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when, when that little kid is talking about their plans to take over the world and how humans are kind of like cattle. Like that was my favorite thing about this issue, by the way. When he's talking about like explaining right. different types of cattle and like how different people serve different purposes, uh, seeing it from like a little kid saying it but talking so eloquently right. uh, was like especially creepy, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but it kind of gave me the impression that like these black-eyed kids are maybe like some kind of like alien invasion force that have been <laughs> around for a while. And it's um, What's that movie? Ah, damn it. Now I can't even remember. Uh, but I mean that's kind of like a, a sci-fi movie trope where like aliens come to Earth but instead of like destroying things to take over, they infiltrate by like yep. assimilating humans into their culture.
2: Uh-huh. Um, I know. was thinking *Children of the Corn*, but that's not alien-related.
1: Yeah, it's it's not like that. Um, invasion of Body Snatchers, like that. Yeah. Okay, where like maybe the aliens are like, you know, like a little worm or something like a that lives inside the person. And, you know, they can procreate inside them and then, I, I don't know, they can, like, infect other humans. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the impression that I got from this. Is right. like, these are aliens just kind of... Nobody knows about them yeah. because that's kind of how they're going to take over, right? They uh, they kind of lay dormant in the background, and so by the time that you know these things exist, it's really just too late and they've
0: taken right. over. Um, See... So, yeah, go ahead. Um, you're... Inception of the Meredith, why she fits into the story. Because we talked about the actual urban legend thing. Yeah, yeah. And then I reread the first three issues before we started. And I'm just wondering if, like, she's had this happen to her before. Like, when she was a kid, and maybe her parents or or her herself didn't open the door. And then now they're coming back to... Because, you know, if she was the chosen one back then... Sure. ...or whatever. And then now, since, you know, they didn't let her in or whatever, and now this is how she's going to help them out Mm -hmm. type of thing. Interesting. (laughs) But... (laughs) Because there's a lot of stuff that um, the little evil genius talks about, (laughs) like about free will and everything. Yeah. (laughs) So...
1: Well, and see, the only reason I got that cult impression was um, that scene where all the moms are walking out of their cabins, and they're mm-hmm. all holding their kid by their hand.
0: Uh, see, see I, 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 yeah, yeah, I can see that, because I, I took that as a church, too, but I guess I didn't take it as, like, a cult-type church.
1: Gotcha, gotcha.
0: Jack? Like, like Amish or whatever, you know, or a rural church
2: yeah, yeah he, he seems like he, I mean he's he's suspicious of her um, we find that out later he doesn't seem like he totally trusts her but he obviously doesn't think she's a threat to what they're doing or else he just would have you know killed her they don't seem to have a problem with you know <laughs> killing everybody else well unless, so, unless she's, on yeah I mean
1: unless she's kind of central to the plan right Yeah, because uh, there's it's, that one panel where he says you know she's not really what she seems to be
2: right Exactly. So it's like they need her, but they wanna they, they know they need to keep her on her short leash for some some reason.
1: Yeah. Yeah, issue two was awesome. Awesome, really good. Um I guess we can move to three, maybe.
2: Sure. Um so one thing that we learn more about in issue three that actually started in <laughs> issue two was is that Michael the kid the kid central to issue one um, his dad learn, or actually the sister that we think he killed actually is, is, is still alive. And we don't know why yet, but she's in the hospital and his real dad um, kind of figures out that, you know, his son, something's wrong with his son. Uh, you know, he goes to see his daughter in the hospital and, and he's trying to investigate this whole phenomenon and what's going on. Um, but, Meredith in issue 3, she sort of they want her to start documenting, you know, stuff and they have very like archaic stuff or I think they gave her a maybe a typewriter or something. Yeah, a typewriter and you know,
1: like, notebook
2: her. I think. Right, and she's like, you know, what am I? You know, cave woman that I'm going to do it like this. <laughs> so she convinces him that she needs to go back to her house to get her computer um, which is really just, you know, she has something else going on, but it's a good argument. So he agrees to let her go. But, you know, he acts suspicious, and that's where, you know, he tells them to you know, kind of keep an eye on her. Um, so they take her to her house, and when she gets there, uh, she finds a pair of scissors, and she actually tries to kill one of the black eyed kids, but fails. They don't seem like they, they don't seem to die, right? You can't, as far as we can tell right now, you can't just kill them by normal means. Yeah, they're yeah. Right
1: in that way, because there was the, I think in the previous issue, uh, Jim try to shoot one, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and so that doesn't work too well, and the leader, the creepy kid, shows up and um he was trolling them, I guess, to see what she would do. I guess kind of testing her. Um and then he he tells he tells her, he reminds her that there's consequences to you not doing what we say, and he teaches her a lesson by gruesomely um, you know, murdering her cat in front of her, which kind of freaks her out. Yeah. Um, so, and also, meanwhile, one of the other kids that, uh, the guy I mentioned in issue one that had killed uh, a gas station employee, he did it purposely to get arrested. So now he's in jail and seeming, it seems like he's there for some reason to infiltrate a prison, and we don't really know why, but he's in jail and with an agenda. Um. Yeah, and then that's it. And Michael's dad is trying to uncover the mystery of these black-eyed kids and figure out, you know, why his son got brainwashed by him and all that.
1: Yeah. Well, and we learned that his wife had another husband who's like a black-eyed Perfect. kid expert, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: that was the only thing I didn't like about this issue. Like, I'm, I'm fine with him introducing a new character that's kind of familiar with what's going on. Um, but like, here's another husband. I was like, ah, oh, come on,
0: <laughs> 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 not
1: another husband.
0: That's Jenny on the block. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: But uh, yeah, really good. It it kind of uh expanded the mystery a little bit, right? Especially with the kid in jail, because we we not seen him since the first issue, mm-hmm. and like, what could possibly be the reason for them to be in here, right? Um, unless like, I mean, he's he maybe he's trying to I don't know they, I wonder if it's somehow related to Meredith because um, she, she had the little brother uh, right. in the second issue and I wonder if maybe he's somehow connected to this as well and he's in jail that's pure speculation of course but uh, yeah. that, that could be interesting but I, mean, I don't really see another reason out of the characters that we already know I don't see another reason why he would go there
0: Right. right.
1: Um, unless they're just like infiltrating jail cuz you know murderers and whatever else uh, they could use those kind of people.
2: People um, that have maybe experience in <laughs> what they're trying to do. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Um I mean, that could be fine, but it just I, I think it would kind of shy away from everything that we've seen so far. Yeah, it seems a little too obvious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, overall, I'd say for three issues, like, this is, this series is crazy.
0: Like, yeah, there's, yeah. A,
1: there's a ton of stuff that happens, the creep factor, like, goes up every issue, mm-hmm. um, and everyone, all the characters are really interesting. Yeah. Right? There's, there's not a single throwaway character here, um, which I find, fa- I mean, all, the only throwaway characters are the ones that get killed, right? I mean, obviously. Yeah. Um so right. that's, that's good uh, what about some of the I know Jack you shared the, uh, the Urban Legend stuff on the Aftershock fan group on, on Facebook um, did you guys, you guys have read some of those stories?
0: yeah I did
1: I had no idea this was a thing
0: yeah I didn't know it was an Urban Legend at all until Jack shared it on the fan uh-huh. page and I was like, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense then. And then I think all, I think the three of us talked about it. And when we were talking like Children of the Corn or older movies like that. And yeah. I was like, oh, well, now it's starting to click because I, I never would have guessed it was an urban legend.
1: Yeah, yeah. The one that came up to me, uh, yeah, Children of the Corn was one. And then Village of the Damned. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Yeah. Um, kind of similar to Children of the Corn. Um but yeah, I, I, hadn't, I didn't know this was a thing. And now I'm honestly kind of scared. I know I just shared with you guys that Reddit article <laughs> where unless – if you don't know that the black-eyed kids are real, then you're safe. But once you know, then you're screwed and they're going to come to your house. So I'm kind of worried they're going to come to my house and kill my dogs.
0: Yeah. And now all of our listeners are infected too. All right.
2: Oh, well,
1: here's- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Here's what uh, Wikipedia says, the history of black-eyed kids. It says, the origins of the legend are 1998 postings by Texas reporter Brian Bethel on a ghost-related mailing list relating alleged alleged encounters with black-eyed kids in Texas and Portland, Oregon. Interesting. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I um, I looked over some of the uh, the urban legend stuff, and I'll I'll put a link to some of the show in the show notes because um, it's really uh, really interesting. If you find if you find good stuff, like be careful yeah. if you're gonna go research the stuff on the information that you find, because I know as we were all looking for stuff, we've come up <laughs> on some crazy people, uh, <laughs> yeah. which it's to be expected, right? Like there's a lot of conspiracy theorists and things like that, and some of those people are fine, but some like just kind of take it to the extreme. And uh, there's some really interesting stories about this stuff. And it's a fairly new phenomenon. Um, Yeah.
0: Like Slenderman style?
1: Yeah, yeah. Slenderman's a prime example. That started on 4chan, I think, right? Yeah. Um, Just, like, people posting stories. And now it's become, like, a thing where people actually see Slenderman and, like, all the stuff. Yeah. Um, I know my my daughter was really into Slenderman for a while. She's she's 12. And uh, she was totally freaked out about it, like, Telling me all these stories, like she would play the game, and like, oh my god, like this actually happened here. I'm like, no, it didn't. Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> so the man's like five years old. <laughs> so both of you have kids, right? Yes, also, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we start checking their eyes when they go to bed
0: every night. Now.
1: Oh yeah, you got to watch out for that.
0: See, three of three of my four. All have brown eyes, so it wouldn't take much <laughs> oh, <wow.
1: laughs> well, I wonder if mine don't already have black eyes so there's that. <laughs> but uh yeah this, the stories are because there's there's a lot of it's like uh like retellings of old stories, yeah. um, like the whole thing with like you can't come in unless you're invited like that's mm-hmm. old vampire right. tales right right um, except like now you have some new twists where they're just kids. And uh, there's a lot of really good movies about creepy kids. My wife loves all of them.
0: Yeah. Um, like, well, the,
1: the Strangers and um, what's the other one? Like Let the Right One In, things like that. Right. So yeah.
2: very cool. I, I was also glad that you said you think it might turn into more of a uh, sci-fi type story because I, I typically like don't like horror stories in comics. Like yeah. I, I read all of Witches, and okay. I could tell it was a good story but I, I just didn't care for it much something about like scary scenes and comics just don't spook me the same way they do like on tv or movies so but that being said like uh you know despite the genre this has been really interesting um this story has been really interesting for me so i'm i'm hoping instead of just being spooky they'll they'll keep going and maybe even do the sci-fi thing like you're talking about
1: yeah, and I mean, different people might read different things into it, because um, when I read the first issue originally, I thought there were like demons, right? Because if, right, you, if you right. read some of the, like, the stories mm-hmm. you find on the internet, it seems like they're kind of demon children, right. um, but I don't know, it just seems like there's a whole another conspiracy thing going on in here, um, and maybe those <laughs> that, that documentary yeah. with those two old ladies um, <laughs> kind of made me think they were aliens, because those
2: ladies were crazy. Did you, uh, did you watch how, or read Childhood's End on Sci-Fi Channel? No. Okay. Well, I won't go into it, if, if you guys aren't familiar with it. No, no, no. Explain. This, is a, this, this could be oh, interesting. Oh, man. I mean, it was – a lot of people didn't like it, but I loved it, man. I could not stop thinking about it for about a month. Um, but it's – it, it, I think it was just a three-episode thing that they had on the Sci-Fi Channel, and it's literally about Satan coming to Earth – and, um, I mean, and, it, and it's in a similar vein to this and that his, his, who he's trying to reach is, is all the kids. Um, and I mean, it's a pretty complicated story, but the whole time you don't know that Satan is behind all this. Mm-hmm. And he sort of disguises himself as like a, a, a good person, like a liberator. And you can't really tell throughout the, the whole show if he is, you know, has good intentions or if he's bad, they, they don't, they don't really, they kind of mask that unless you kind of Make it up on your own. But his, his medium is kids, though. It's all about using kids to, and every, and, it's, and you know, similar to this, the objective also is to uh, uh, destroy all the adults, except he does it in a, a lot more humane way. He doesn't just have to start massacring people, but I definitely recommend it. It was. Really so, was cool. it like a miniseries? Yeah, it's a miniseries. I think it was three, like two hour shows, maybe, on, on Sci Fi Channel.
1: Interesting. Cool. i I can catch
2: that. Childhood's End. Yeah, and now that I told you sort of what happens, it kind of ruins the surprise, but part of the oh. best part of the first ep- issue was was figuring out that he's Satan, and I've kind of already uh, told you that, but it's good still anyways. So the
1: name sounded familiar, and I looked it up, and the first thing that came up was Childhood's End by Arthur C. Clarke.
2: Right, right. It's based Which off is,
1: of that. Okay, except that's not... A, a, a devil movie, it's an alien movie. Or a, an alien book, rather. Oh, well, it, that's you know, just...
2: that's the... Okay, so that's the twist, um, is that in the in the sh- TV show, and like, I'm telling you everything now, so I don't <laughs> watch it, but in the show, he, he is an alien, but when you see his homeworld, it actually looks like hell. And it oh. turns out that you find out that all of our stories about demons and Satan and hell... Actually, come from this planet that's somewhere else, and somehow we've gotten a vision of his world, and we wrote all these archaic stories down. And um, it's about it's it's about both.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, there was. Know, did you guys ever watch uh, the Outer Limits?
0: Yes, I did. There,
1: there was actually an episode of the Outer Limits that, that was exactly that. Um, yeah. These aliens come down and they look like demons, but they're actually the good guys. I- Anyways. Interesting. You guys ready to wrap this puppy up? Sure. sure. Awesome. This has been the very first episode of the very best Aftershock podcast ever created.
0: Uh, (laughs) So anything after this would just be imitation.
1: Right. Yes. If you guys want to start an Aftershock podcast, by all means, go ahead. But uh, we're the first, so you're copying us.
2: Right.
1: We want royalties. We want royalties. Um, I had fun. This was good. Yeah. I cool. hope we can uh, do this again soon. Um, I guess we should tell everybody where they can reach us. We don't have an email address yet because I'm slacking, and uh, we don't have a Twitter yet. But we're gonna say it's at Aftershock Central because uh, I looked it up and it's not taken.
2: Cool. And there's a the Facebook page also.
1: There is the Facebook page. So just sh- uh, check for Aftershock Comic Fans Group on Facebook. And you'll find all of us there. And uh, the group's growing, dude. I'm I'm very excited. That's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like from one to like 40 people in two days or two or three days or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's over 100 now, so it's yeah. good. I was, uh, I was glad you guys did that. I thought I was the only one reading Aftershock, and then I disappear for like two weeks. I come back, and everyone's reading Aftershock. Yeah. You,
2: you might have planned to
1: see. Hey, that's good. That's good. That's exciting. Um... I guess I should ask you, Jack. Do you have a Twitter? I do.
2: What's your Twitter? It is Jack Southern. I'll spell it for you: J-A-C-K-S-U-T-H-E-R-L-A-N-D. Oh, easy enough. Yep. It's like your name. Yep. It is mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find mine.
0: Ronnie. Mine is at Ronbar316. Cause you love Steve
1: Austin, don't you?
0: Uh, that. Kind of, yeah. Don't my son's, don't lie. My son's birthday is actually 316-2000. So.
1: How convenient. Yeah. Did you plan that? And his name's Austin as well, so. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and you can reach me at Geekvine. Um, I'll make up some email for now. If you want to email us, you can do so at hello at nerdlegion.com. And that's going to be it for us tonight. I'm excited for the next one. Go read some aftershock.
0: That's good. Later.